Welcome to Mother's Day at Laguna Presbyterian Church. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing and glad in it. Turn to your neighbor, shake hands, say good morning, if you would. Happy to see you all here this morning. We're having a special morning after church. Strawberries and cream and chocolate and cookies and coffee out in the Rose Garden. So don't miss that. It's a, it's a wonderful occasion of fellowship and of good food together. Many things going on in the life of our church that are here in the Connections. Call your attention to them. We're having a uh, choir spring concert on June, June the 3rd. Our chancel choir is going to sing gospel music. We're going to really enjoy that. That's 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, June 3rd. Uh, third Friday Fellowship, June 15th. Lots going on here, and we just welcome you. We're getting ready uh, to move into the summertime. Very active youth ministries and programs going on for our children and youth, and uh, it's a wonderful time. So, Welcome to church. Join with me then in our opening prayer. Let us proclaim the good news of Easter. Christ is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The peace of our risen Christ be with you and, and so with you. Lord, uh, anoint us with your blessing this morning. We thank you that as a mother comforts her children, so you comfort your people. You call us to gather here to worship you, to be together as the family of Christ. We pray now that as we worship you, that you will be honored and glorified, uh, and you will be lifted up in our praises. Thank you for all the families represented here this morning, for the fellowship of this family of Christ. We pray in your name. Amen. The words of the psalmist invite us to worship. King of all the earth, creator of the universe, holy triune God from everlasting to everlasting, you are Lord. Your law brings life, O Lord, and we meditate on it day and night. Happy are we when we walk in your ways, O Lord. You bring forth fruit in due season and establish the work of our hands. Happy are we when we walk in your ways, O Lord. Who is like our God, the one whose ways are full of life? Happy are we when we walk in your ways, O Lord. This is our God, the Holy One. Let all creation worship God in song. Let us stand and worship God together. God in three persons, blessed Trinity.
eyes and our hearts, Lord. We want to see you in this place. Let's sing together. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord God. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Hear our cry. I want to see you. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. be seated. The psalmist in Psalm 77 says, show us your ways, O Lord, that we might walk in your truth. It's our heart's desire, Lord. We want to walk with you. So we sing together, show us your ways. Show us your we 
to confession comes from the book of Isaiah. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Let us join together in our prayer of confession. Lord, Lord bring, bring a new, new life, life where, where we, we are, are worn and, and tired. tired. New, new love where, where we, we have turned hard-hearted. hard-hearted. Forgiveness, Forgiveness where, where we, we feel hurt and where, and where we, we have wounded. And, and the joy and freedom of your, of your Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit where we, where we are, are prisoners, prisoners of, of ourselves. Let's take a few moments to reflect on the ways that we have not walked in God's ways. God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. This is the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Sing out to God our jubilant song.
together. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Earlier in the Gospels, some of Jesus' disciples came to him and, and asked him, will you not teach us how to pray? And uh, the Lord gave to them the, wor the words of the Lord's Prayer that have echoed down through 2,000 years. Some have said that it was a summation of the whole Psalter, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Likewise, some have said that, um, that John 17 is Jesus' prayer for the church, for his disciples, at a time when he was preparing them for his going away. Many of the themes of the Lord's prayer are included in John 17 in this beautiful and profound prayer that that Jesus prayed for his disciples. So I invite you to open to John chapter 17. Last night I received a call about 10 o'clock from my friend and our friend, David Dolan, who was on the staff of our presbytery as one of our pastors there. is no longer so, but um, uh, many months ago now, uh, Dave had a double lung transplant. And... He did not know if he was going to live beyond that effort for the transplant. And he's, he called purposely, he says, I know you're preaching on the Lord's Prayer this Sunday. Not quite, but almost. And he says, I just want to share my experience with you with the Lord's Prayer. So just as I was going under, the only words that I could remember when I was in the hospital was the phrases from the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I couldn't remember any other line, but that was the prayer that I prayed. And uh, he is doing so well. And I think intends to be with us on the evening of June the 4th for our celebration time. He's been a dear friend of mine. But um, Saturday night, late call comes. Pastor's ears prick up. You wonder what's going on in the life of the, of the parish I was so happy to hear from him. Let me read to you from John 17, uh, picking up in verse 6. 
Jesus prays, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I've given to them and they've received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you've given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you've given me. I've given them so that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you've sent me. I've made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was early in the first decade of this century that I was invited to become a part of a group called the Company of New Pastors that had been funded by the Lilly Foundation 
and uh, developed specifically for the Presbyterian Church USA. The whole denomination had become aware that we were facing a pastoral crisis within the church. We were discovering, statistics were revealing, that all the young graduates, male and female, of our theological seminaries, after they had finished their education of seven to eight years and gone through all the hoops that the presbytery required, they got out into the church and discovered that they were not prepared. And the dropout rate was astronomical. The longevity of most young pastors right out of seminary was three to five years. And so there was an effort on, behalf, on behalf of the Lilly Foundation and our denomination, our General Assembly, to develop a program that would shape and form these young disciples so that they could continue to grow and mature and be prepared for their ministry within a local congregation. I invited Candy Blankman, our associate pastor down in San Clemente, to work with me as a co-mentor. And over a 10-year period of time, we had two groups, five years each. And it was one of the most exciting, rewarding experiences of my lifetime. We met over five years, one time during the year on a retreat at a different place. We followed the outline of our reformed worship liturgy. We did theological reflection and biblical studies on call to worship and prayers of confession and the singing of God's praises and the assurances of pardon, the reading of Scripture and, and preaching and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's table. We reflected on our affirmations of faith and our book of confessions. We thought about seriously self-offerings and the meaning of the offerings that we collect and the sending forth into the world. And in addition to all of that, of writing reports and of praying together, we had so much fun together and discovering each other's life stories of eating and drinking and hanging out together. It was a process of transformation. I've thought a whole lot about that experience. It seemed to me that this is exactly what Jesus was doing with his disciples. He had selected them to be with him intently for three years. He taught them. They listened to him preach. They saw the great works that he did, the miracles, the healings, the feeding of the 5,000. He engaged them in the process. They ate and they drank together and they shared life. And I have to believe that there were times just filled with great joy and celebration in being together. My favorite picture of Jesus is of that smiling face, Jesus, at peace with God, doing what he loved to do, and finally coming to the place where he realized that his hour had come 
His time was at hand to depart and to go to be with the Father that soon he would be rejected and suffer and die and be raised on the third day and return to sit at the Father's right hand. This last Thursday was Ascension Day in which the church remembers Jesus' return to his heavenly Father. It must have been a heavy burden upon his heart as he thought about leaving his disciples and what he could say to them, how he would prepare them. What words could he speak that would encourage them? What prayers would be the kind of prayers they needed to hear? John has recorded this beautiful and powerful, sometimes called high priestly prayer of Jesus, in which he prays for those twelve whom the Father had given to him, who were now his, and which he had loved and protected and nurtured to this very end. The last thing he wanted to see happen was for them to fall away, to lose their way, to end up absorbed into the world. And so he prayed for them. And I want to lift up just three themes out of this prayer this morning that seemed to me to be so very important. They heard him pray, protect them from the evil one. Jesus had this keen awareness of the weakness of his disciples, the vulnerabilities that they would face. Clearly, he knew that they were facing vulnerabilities in their relationships with one another. That as they went forth in mission together, that they would have conflicts together. And there would be competition amongst the twelve for positions of authority and power. In fact, when he was instituting the Lord's table with the broken bread and the shed blood that he invited his disciples to eat and drink in order to have life, They were discussing amongst themselves, Luke tells us, which one of them was the greatest. Already they were in competition and they needed to be protected from that vaulting ambition and desire to be better than one another. They needed to be protected from their own egos, from that pursuit of upward mobility in the way that the world understands that. And so Jesus prayed that they would be protected. He said to Simon Peter, Simon, Satan has desired to sift all of you. When you sift, you divide. And you begin to polarize. And if you think just a bit about the history of the church and the world, you are aware that this dividing and this sifting is a part of the human experience. It runs throughout history. From the very beginning, there were these tensions. Every one of them wanted to be number one, leader of the pack. I mean, who of us has not struggled with these things? Jesus struggled with it in the desert when he was tempted. And Satan came to him with the suggestion that he simply ought to lift him up and Satan could show him how to be a successful Messiah. 
And each time Jesus was able to counter the suggestion, he was deep in his relationship with the Father and he knew the Word of God and he was able to quote Scripture in those times of, of temptation. When we begin our Christian journey, it's not always that easy, is it? When I first became a Christian, I fell in love with Southern Baptist evangelists. I loved the pink coats they wore and the white buck shoes and all the music. And my little group in my hometown asked me to be the preacher on Saturday evenings down on the street and to minister to people on the streets. And I did that. And I went away to college in Santa Barbara, Westmont College, and got invited to be the preacher on the Westmont gospel team. We traveled throughout California. I'll never forget one Sunday evening at a youth rally in Bakersfield. I preached and we had sung. We were a quartet together. It, we were having a blast. This young woman came up to me with her Bible in her hand and she said, would you please autograph my Bible? Someone said to me after the first service, you didn't sign that Bible, did you? <laughs> Somehow in those years it seemed like the glory road of upper mobility and popularity and, and that's not all bad. But Jesus knew his disciples were to be afflicted with division and schism. And you look at the history of the church, 1000 AD, the division between East and West, between Constantinople and Rome. In the 16th century, the Protestant Reformation, the religious wars in Europe. I just happened to be in Geneva, Switzerland on the first visit of the Pope for over a thousand years in Geneva. Pope Paul VI came. I, I watched on television. From my, I didn't know he was coming to town. He would not have been safe in the 16th century. The Protestants would likely have attacked him. We come into the history, our own Presbyterian history in America, that is the history of division and schism up to this day. And the words of Jesus echo down through the centuries, protect them from the evil one. Satan desires to sift you. But secondly, sanctify them in the truth. A truth that makes them one, that unites them, even as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are the one triune God in the fellowship of love and truth and grace together. Sanctify them, make them holy. Unite them in a fellowship and a mission. Deepen them in the knowledge of who God is. And so that word that comes down through the centuries is a word that the church has needed to hear. And sometimes it's really difficult, I think, for God to protect us and at the same time to preserve us in the truth because we're all so ready to fight for the truth, including me. One of the experiences that I had, and I guess as I'm coming to the end of my active ministry, 
I'm thinking about opportunities of ministries that have come my way and received an invitation to be a part of a, a pastor, theologian, a Presbyterian group with an equal number of Jewish American leaders in the Jewish community of, all, of various denominations of Jewish faith and proved again to be a wonderful experience. And we were together over five years, and each time we were together on retreat, we, we focused on a different theme, and, and one of them was the question of what is truth? And I was really interested in this. At the time, our denomination was being bounced around, as we all are to this day, as to what is truth. Is, is truth simply uh, whatever we might define it to be, or does it have some sort of objective content to it? And our first question that we dealt with at Princeton Seminary in our discussions was, was what is truth? We divided into small groups, equal number of Jews and Presbyterians, and we talked about truth and we reported into the larger group, about 25 of us. And we went around the room and from rabbi to rabbi, they simply endorsed whatever anyone might think was the truth. Who knows what the truth is? And I was stunned. And I remember feeling, can't you just quote one passage from the Old Testament? Joe Small, who was head of our theology and worship unit in Louisville, he stood and he talked about one of the six great ends of the church, one of them, the preservation of the truth, but not truth just as an intellectual concept, but truth that is personal, truth that has been revealed in Jesus, truth that is relational, that we have come to know by virtue of being in communion with the one triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I first became a Christian, became involved with an organization called the Navigators, and they were a Bible memory program. I've shared this before, I think. They gave us a little packet of cards with a scripture verse on one side and the reference on the other side. It was like learning vocabulary. Wherever I was at, I could take out this packet of cards. And the first text that I memorized as a new publicly committed Christian was Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure and clean? And the answer, by taking heed, therefore, according to your word, your word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. That verse saved me over and over again and still does. I learned it in the King James Version. I won't even try with a later translation. But the truth of it is written upon my heart. Your word is truth. And what we need in the church of all kinds in America and around the world is the rediscovery of truth in Jesus Christ who has spoken to us the eternal word of God in the power of the Spirit and who wants to write the truth of the law of God into every one of our hearts. And the final theme that Jesus commented upon was the theme of love. John was the apostle of love. 
And what he was saying in this last few verses was, fill them up with your love. Protect them. Sanctify them in the truth. Fill them up with the power of your love so that they may be one as we are one, O Father. God is love. And the proof of God's amazing love is this, that Jesus Christ died for us, made atonement for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father, and He wants to come and live within us. And His is the spirit of love, and He wants to give to the church that inner dynamic and strength and power of the Holy Spirit. You know, on this Mother's Day, I think a whole lot about these themes of this prayer. My mother, she would have prayed the same things for me. Protect Jerry. She did everything she could do to protect me from harm. I didn't always like it. But deep down, I loved her because of it. Because I knew that she was with me and for me. And she wanted me to develop a worldview, an understanding of reality that's rooted in the revelation that holds the whole cosmos together. The truth of the kingdom of God and the word of God. And she did everything she could do to transplant her love for me into my heart. The last words mom and my dad said to me, Jerry, were, I love you. Our company of new pastors, we ended in San Francisco south of San Francisco at the Catholic Retreat Center there in Burlingame. We'd spent five years together and we decided on the last afternoon together that we would go into the city, take BART and go into the city and see the sights. And that young group of pastors, men and women, already launched in their churches, ran me up and down the hills of San Francisco, even before I had the hip replacement. And it was a stress, but it was so much fun. We had coffee at Fisherman's Wharf together. We hiked up the hill to Grace Cathedral, where I had never visited. A great Episcopalian church that sits atop the hill of San Francisco. We walked in. There were no pews in that cathedral, and the whole nave of the church was filled with a yoga class. And men and women in their uniforms are doing yoga and exercising and the beautiful music was playing and there were these multicolored strings hanging from the ceiling and the light could be seen through them making various designs and fashions of red and blue and white and yellow and and I wanted to worship, and I wanted to dance. I wanted to join the yoga class. Worship is like that. It captures us. It protects us. It shapes and forms us in truth. It fills us with joy and love, and we just want to celebrate. And that's what I feel every Sunday here at Laguna Presbyterian Church. I'm so grateful for that. We left the great cathedral, went down the hill to the Chinese restaurant. 
had a wonderful time together, just hanging out together. The last time, took the BART back out to the final station, took my first Uber ride to the retreat, and the next morning we said goodbye to each other, and we follow up, and we stay interested because our hearts are bonded in the protecting grace and truth and love of Almighty God. That's what the church is about, folks. A fellowship that lives by these great realities for which Jesus prayed that we might continue to be one with the Father through Him and one with one another, loving one another as we have been loved and loving the great truth of the Word of God that is the firm foundation that is able to sustain our lives in all the trials and tribulations and vicissitudes which we all experience. May you hear the prayer of Christ. May you know like my friend David and be able to recall at least some of those precious lines in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand with me and let's affirm our faith together. This affirmation of faith comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians that reads in many ways like some of the themes of John's gospel and his letters. Together we pray responsively the prayer for the church. We bow our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name, praying that according to the riches of his glory, we may be strengthened in our inner being with power through his Spirit, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, as we are being rooted and grounded in love, that together we may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
sanctify your love through us, O oh Lord, to the lost and the least. Let us be your healing hands, Lord, your instruments of peace.
God of love, as in Jesus Christ you gave yourself to us, so we may give ourselves to you. Living according to your holy will, keep our feet firmly in the way where Christ leads us. Help our lips to speak the truth that Christ teaches us. Fill our bodies with the life which is Christ within us. In response to your grace, we come before you seeking to be faithful to Christ's call to love our God with our whole heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind, to love our neighbor as ourselves. This morning we pray for political leaders and people in power. Give them wisdom to work for a world of justice and peace. We do pray especially for peace this morning, peace in Israel, Syria, Iran, Afghanistan, and North Korea. You have taught us to hope and work for your reign of peace in this time and forevermore. On this Mother's Day, we thank you for the gift of our mothers and those who have been like mothers to us. Whether we know them or whether they are strangers to us, whether they are no longer in this life or whether we are planning to spend time with them today, we lift them up to you and give thanks for strengths, weaknesses, and love. Lord, you've given us so many gifts. We thank you for watching over and providing for us. Now we offer to you what you have given to us. Use us and our gifts to help others know about you for Jesus' sake. And so together, let us sing the Lord's Prayer.
As a mother comforts her children, so the Lord protects us, sanctifies us, and fills us up with his love. May we go forth from here this day rejoicing in all of God's good gifts as we live for the glory of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.